Praise the Lord. At this time, we're going to uh, get into the word. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, uh, speaking for us is the Reverend Dr. Ezra Bonison. Only kidding. <laughs> He's going to come and read the scripture for us. Genesis 126 in several translations. <clears throat> then God said, let us make man someone like ourselves. Then God said, and now we make human beings. They will be like us and resemble us. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge. Then God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Make man in our image, according to our likeness, not physical, but our spiritual personality and moral likeness. Genesis 126-128, in the message. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. Be responsible for every living thing that moves on the earth. Thanks a lot. Wait, wait, wait. Ezra, I forgot. Pays to be in the word. I'm really excited about what God is going to minister to us uh, over the next four weeks. Um, we have been uh, going through a book uh, last year. We had to suspend things, but we'll get back on it. 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. Um, and uh, we're going through this book. And one of the reasons why we're going through this book is to understand the Bible, understand doctrine. So we wanted to get back to this book now, and we want to talk about, uh, for the month of February, the doctrine of man. But what I want to really focus on more is, um, what does a man of God look like? What does a man of God look like? And th this is going to be important because either A, you're married, no, either A, you are a man, B, you're married to a man. C, you're looking for a man. Or D, you're raising what's going to be a man. So either or, or you are aunt or a godmother or an uncle of a man. But either or, it, it is it's going to be really important that we know uh, what the Bible uh, can show us 
about what a man of God is. And even as I'm reading this and studying this, I want to be a better man of God. And I know we use that term man of God, uh, that that word of means belongs. So I want to be a man who belongs to God. Praise the Lord. I want to be a man that belongs to God. So um, we, we want to talk about four things, four characteristics based on uh, this book. Uh, you'll find it in the chapter, uh, the doctrine of man. But I want to talk about four things that uh, are four qualities of a man of God. I want to talk about first uh, the derivation of a man, the derivation of a man, or in this book is called the um, the origin of a man. And I was really struck by this because the word derivation, derive, it comes from two Latin words, D, which means of, and uh, riva, 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 which is river. So a derivation of a man is a man from the river. The righteous man, Psalm 1 verse 3, he is like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which what? Brings forth fruit in his season. He's a man from the river. Jesus said in John chapter 3, John chapter 7, verse 37, 39, he said, he that believes in me as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers. So a man from the river is a man from the spirit. I want to be a man of the spirit. I want to talk about the description of man or a nature of man. I want to talk about the distinctiveness of man and then finally the destiny of man. So we'll go over those over the next four weeks. Derivation of a man, description of a man, distinctiveness of a man, and destiny of a man. And so this... Tonight, I want to talk to you tonight. This morning, I want to talk to you about the subject. I'm a soul man. And I couldn't help about thinking about the blues brother. I'm a soul man. Did it, did it, did it. We need some horns. I'm a soul man. Did it, did it. <laughs> I knew you're good. But anyways, I was going to have the whole congregation sing that, but then we would lose the spirit. The opening question of the Westminster Catechism that was assembled in Edinburgh, Scotland, July 2nd, 1648, was this question. What is the chief, the first the primary end or purpose of man. What is the chief end of man? And they gave the answer in that same assembly. The chief purpose of man or man's chief, man's first purpose, and I know some of you know it, is to one, glorify God, and two, Enjoy him forever. The chief purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
Now, what struck me is that this might be one of the greatest revelations I had um, in my life. I've heard this a number of times. How many of you have read or seen or heard a scripture a number of times and then all of a sudden you see something that you've never seen before and you say, why didn't I see that? Okay. And the Lord said to me, read that again. And I said, okay, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And he said, Brian, what does it not say? And it struck me why I've been so discouraged. He said, so many people read it this way. The chief purpose of God, are you ready? Is to, uh, the chief purpose, purpose of men is to glorify God, watch this, and enjoy life forever. And I realized that God is saying, you're trying to enjoy life instead of in trying to enjoy me. And so what happens, I find that my life is going up and down and up and down and up and down. And I watch TV and it's definitely going up and down, and up and down. And depending on what happens today, it could be up and down, up and down, up and down. Me and my brother have this uh, wonderful characteristic, and I think Jamie does too, and that is this. If the Patriots win, then I, we watch every television show, every listen to every radio show, read every periodical, and if they lose, the game never happened. <laughs> Can I get a witness out there? I don't listen, I don't read, I don't... What game? What game? Because I don't want to feel the ebbs and flows of life. And, and the Lord is saying that you have been trying to enjoy life. You need to stop focusing on enjoying me. Because it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. The kingdom of God, John, no, Romans 14 verse 17. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. No, it's not. Joy in the Holy Spirit. That's our problem. We want joy separated from God. This, this has changed everything for me. I wanna, I wanna live my life enjoying God. I wanna live my life like that righteous man who's planted by the rivers of the waters. Genesis begins with a river and it closed, and Revelations close with a river. And Jerusalem is a city by a river. Oh my goodness. Are you with me so far? Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says, And God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils uh, the breath of life, and man became a living soul, a living person, a living person. Let me pause like right there. Adolf, uh, 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 Adolf and Nikki, I, I want your oldest son to be ready. 
And Rodney, I want your oldest son to be ready, okay? I'm going to need the both of you. I'll call you when I need you, okay? Praise the Lord. And Zach, simply because you're sitting up front, uh, because you're sitting in the seat I used to sit in when I was a child, and uh, you remind me of, uh, that's me, and that's my brother Kevin, and that's my dad. So (laughs) uh, it's amazing. This is the history of this church. I can't believe. Only we were black, but that's all right. You're a soul man. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace, Amplified Bible, now may the God of peace himself separate you. That's why we, we sang that, I love that uh, uh, song, I am thine, O Lord, draw me near, or consecrate me now. Now may the God of peace separate you from profane and vulgar things and make you pure and whole and undamaged. Set apart for his purpose. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept complete and be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When God made man, the doctor of man, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he said, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness. And when, when the Bible talks about making man after God's image, it's not so much talking about looking like God, but composed like God. And so what you'll find is that God, as we in this church, we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. He is three in one. And I still remember uh, uh, Reverend Jeff speaking that uh, message on on last year on the subject of the Trinity. And I kind of let him do it because I knew that was complicated and I didn't feel like uh, struggling through that. But it's a mystery that we have these this God, uh, God three in one. He's not separate God, but he's three in one. And yet it's easy to understand because we also are a Trinity. We also are made in God's image. And that image is, Paul has it, he says, spirit, soul, and body. We are a trinity. And Paul has it correctly because we should be living our lives, spirit, soul, and body, and not body, soul, and spirit. Our spirit man is supposed to influence our soul man. And our soul, man, is supposed to influence our body. Are you following me? I'm a soul, man. I'm a soul, man. Jesus says, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Are you with me so far? Now, now this is very important because our spirit, man, is our God consciousness. It is a part of us that, that it, it is a part of us that is conscious of God. It is a part of us that cannot be influenced by education. It is a part of us that convicts us when we do wrong. Until we reason our way out of the wrongness. I remember, can I be honest with you? 
Okay, I, I remember uh, growing up as a child, and when I got in uh, you know, a sticky situation or got frustrated, all of a sudden I would I would swear. I I, I swore. I don't swear. That, didn't swear that often. I mean, I probably swore maybe once a year at best when I was a kid. When I was a kid. When I was a kid. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, and and I remember when I would swear, the conviction of God would so overwhelm me that I would go to my mother and say, Mom, I swore I'm sorry. As opposed to reasoning, saying, well, she didn't hear me. She wasn't around. It's quiet in here. Some of you like say, yeah, I still swear. So you know, we'll see what the Lord will do for you. I remember one time, uh, recently, recently, and I remember my pastor, my pastor, Jonathan Del Turco, he's, he said to me, Brian, I love you and I'm praying for you every day. And I say, I am too. I'm praying for you too every day. And the Lord said, no, you're not. Now, I didn't say I am too praying for you every day. I just said I am too, which was the inference is I am praying for you every day also. And the Lord said, no, you're not. And I would just try to brush it away. Brush it away. It's quiet in this place, but that's all right. Brush it away. But the Holy Spirit, my God consciousness said, you need to call him and tell you you're not praying for him every day. And I was like, oh. Have you ever know, have you ever knew that you had apologized to somebody, but you didn't want to apologize, so you give them gifts? Hey, let's go out. You, you do everything. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And when I couldn't, when I couldn't stand the Holy Spirit just convicting me, I finally text him and say, you know, I need to apologize. I'm not praying for you every day. I'm praying for you a lot, but not every day. And he said, I never want to pass to you again. Get out of my life. No, of course he didn't say that. You better listen to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you or else there comes a time when he says, you know what? The Bible says today, if you would hear his voice, don't harden what your heart. Then there's a soul man, the soul man. And the soul is interesting. It's made up of three parts. That's what I want to talk about briefly. It is made up of the mind. It is made up of the emotions and it's made up of the will mind emotions and will now i, I want to do a little test here and and I, I want to i want to do a little test here now this wonderful couple elder roy and elder anita they've been married over 30 years and Praise the Lord. And, and so you, the, the Bible says about, you know, when you come together as married couple, you are, you become one. Okay. And so I want to ask a question. Um, and, and then it, this is not, this is not difficult. Uh, but let me ask you a question. Who, who is this? Tom Brady. Okay. Picture of Tom Brady. Yes. Who is this? Tom Brady. Okay. Now, here's a question. Let me ask you a question first. What do you think about Tom Brady? 
He got two of his Super Bowl rings. Okay. Okay. He's a Giants fan. Uh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what? You should have never slapped him five. I used, his wife was like, what did you out yourself like that for? <laughs> okay. Say, what do you think about Tom Brady? I think he's a good quarterback. A great quarterback. Okay. How do you feel about Tom Brady? I think he's a good quarterback. I respect him. I said feel. He's okay. How do you feel about Tom Brady? I like him. Okay. Now, here's the point. The point is, is that, and, and I bet if I took, uh, you know, let me, let me do this quickly, okay? Okay, because I have two brothers, okay, who are from the same father and the same womb, okay? So, uh, we already said that this is Tom Brady. How do you, what do you think about him? I think he's the best quarterback to ever play the game and who will ever play the game. Wow. That was such a long answer. I, I know he's Tara's son. <laughs> and what do you think? He's good. <laughs> okay. How do you feel about Tom Brady? Uh, let's see. I feel jealous. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll get a model wife. <laughs> How do you feel about Tom Brady? Um, I feel like he's a good person. Okay, good. Okay. So, what was that all about? Notice, husband and wife, married over 30 years, should be one. <laughs> it's going to be a cold night for you. <laughs> marriage retreat they may have <laughs> separate beds but anyway <laughs> only kidding but notice they had different thoughts of Tom Brady different feelings about Tom Brady's okay he had these two brothers who were separated how many years difference are you 16 months almost Irish twins from what I understand I mean and and yet uh, you have different thoughts and different feelings. Why? Because the soul, God said, form man into the dust, breathe into him, and man became, let's, let's substitute the word living soul to a living personality. I don't care if you're twins, you will have a different personality. That is the uniqueness of you. And in, so in the man is his, his spirit, which is his God consciousness. Then there's his soul, that is his mind, his emotions, how he feels, and his will, what he'll decide. And that is his self consciousness. Your soul is your self consciousness. And then, there is your body, which is your world consciousness. 
In other words, if they didn't have their five senses, they wouldn't know what this was. So it is interesting that everybody said, this is Tom Brady. No one said, no, this is Michael Vick. Everybody said Tom Brady. So they saw the same thing, but they thought and felt differently. That's because we're, we're personalities. Are you following me so far? And, and so, um, as we, as we uh, keep moving forward, it is very important, and I'm almost done here, that you understand what your composition is. Because that's why it's so important to keep feeding your spirit man that which will keep you conscious of God. And that's why the psalmist starts out saying, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the godly, ungodly, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, doesn't sit in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, in the word, in the Torah. He meditates day and night. Why? So he can become more conscious of God. I wouldn't know thou shalt not lie if I didn't read the word. That's why Sunday school is so important. It teaches your child from such a young age how to be conscious to God, of God. Oh, thank you, Lord. So I, I want to talk to you briefly and then just about finish here because this is, I want to talk to you. Well, okay, you, you, you told me that, uh, that man is made up of three parts like God. You told me that we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. You told me that in my soul is my mind, my emotions, and my will. But tell me, what are the signs of a man of God? What are the signs of a man of God? Um, when I was in Barbados, somebody turned me on to this book, The Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes. And I would encourage every man to get a copy of this book. It talks about 16 disciplines that a man of God ought to have. And, and, and uh, therefore, what I'm trying to do is kind of match some of these disciplines so that hopefully at least if we can go through about 12 of them, not obviously not today, that it will help you. Again, it's Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes, and a wonderful, excellent book. But I want to talk to you about, and what I want to do is, if I can have your sons now. And I'm going to have some. A little bit of fun here. Everybody all right so far? Praise the Lord. And if you can kind of make room for those guys over there, just sit there for a moment. Everybody with me so far? Praise the Lord. Now, signs of a man of God. And these are the things that I hope that you and I as men can work on these things in hope that we will more exude the godly character that God wants us to have. 
I want to talk to you about three signs of a man of God. Number one, a man of God is a man of worship. Number two, a man of God is a man of the word. And number three, a man of God is a man who watches. Man of uh, the word, worship rather. Man of the word and a man who watches. Quickly, one of the reasons why I put the word for us is because the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, that God is searching for worshipers. There are three types of people. There could be more, but there are three types of people that the Bible explicitly say that God is searching for. Not in this particular order, but just to let you know, number one, he's, he's searching for intercessors. Ezekiel chapter 22, I think is 30. He, he said, I was looking throughout the city to find one person who would stand in the gap, who would intercede, and I couldn't find one. He's looking for intercessors. Number two, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says he's looking for the lost. He's always searching for people who do not know Jesus Christ. And number three, he is searching for worshipers, 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 people who will always put him in a position of value. Why? Because Matthew chapter six, verse 21 says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. That's why pay, that's part. That's why giving offerings and tithes are so important to God. It's important to God because it is an indicator of where our hearts really are. Mm, this is good right, right here. This is good right here. In other words, if you're not tithing, it's really showing that, you, that your heart does not really trust God. It's quiet in here, but that's all right. Because God is saying that if you would tithe, your 90% will become greater than your 100%. And if you don't tithe, your 90% will become less than 90%. I'm not trying to threaten you. I want you to get blessed. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So many times I'm looking at the budget to say, where's our money going? Because it's an indicator of what we value. You want to know what you value? Look at your, look at your bank account. I was going to say, look at your checkbook, but most people don't use checkbooks anymore. So look at your, look at where the money's going. Mm, it's quiet here. Okay. Praise the Lord. The word. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I, I want to please you so much that I made sure that your word is in my heart. I memorize the word. I, I, I repeat the word. I, I meditate on the word. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the word of God is quick and powerful. That means alive and powerful. Sharper than any to a sword. Piercing even to the divine son of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And the word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why it's good to be in the word because the word will convict you but the word will also convince you. Sometimes I need to be convinced that God is still on the throne. Sometimes I have to be convinced that God will take care of all my needs. And when I go to the word, the word will convince me that all of the promises of God in Christ, they are yes and amen. 
But God also wants us men, and this is where I'll close as we get ready for communion. He wants us to be watchers. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We need to be watchers. The Bible says, watch ye and pray that you enter not into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. When I became pastor of the church, about four years after I became pastor, I, I realized that my job as the, the high priest of this church, if you want to put it that way, I was struck by reading how God loved his people. That Aaron, his job was to wear this vest. And on the vest, he would have inscribed the names of the tribes of Israel on his shoulders. And then he would have the names, each name of all the tribe of Israel on his breast. Indication that he's supposed to come to the presence of God burdened with the people. Dr. Ian e. Bounds, a Civil War chaplain, once said, if you, and it convicted me, he said, if you have a pastor who is not praying for you as a people, you are to be pitied. And then he said, and not Ian e. Bounds, but then God said that he's supposed to have the names on his breast, meaning that on his heart, Constantly, he has the names of God's people and all the greats, you know, Spurgeon and well and Wesley. Uh, they, they, they would. I remember uh, reading the book where, where uh, Spurgeon's uh, wife said, "Why are you up in the middle of the night? Why are you weeping?" And he's like, "Woman, I have five thousand souls that have been put under my care. I have to cry out to God for them." And so that struck me. And so in 1999, I put together a list of all the people, uh, leaders and folks who were, who, who were uh, important to me and, and important to where God was taking our church or who were intersecting our lives or, or pastors around the city. And this, this list has changed from time to time. But the Lord said, I, I need you to daily, to daily bring these people before me. Daily. And I can't say that I've been doing it daily. But I'll tell you that sometimes when I do it every day, sometimes I do it at least two or three times a week. And I call these names before the Lord. And sometimes I'm here and I I put these names on the altar before the Lord. And I begin to call out the names. And what struck me is I, I got a hold of this book called The Prayer of Jabez. And this is where I want to end. It, it, it is, and Jabez, his life is so messed up that he says, God, this is first Chronicles chapter four, verse nine. God, I want you to bless me indeed. I want you to enlarge my territory, enlarge my sphere of influence. I want your hand to be on my life. 
And I want you to keep evil that it might not come on me. And this is the prayer of Jabez for teens. I saw a young guy back there that I kind of, hey, sir, can I give that to you? Like gifts? All right. And oh, my goodness. So my man Kennedy, did I see Kennedy back there? Yeah. It's good to be, you got to look happier than that. And, I, and so I pray regularly over many of you. God bless them indeed. God, enlarge their sphere of influence. Lord, keep evil from them that it might not harm them. But this is the one that struck me that God gave me revelation. Book. He said, God, keep your hand on them. And, and so come on, guys. Because What struck me boy of all your hands <laughs> ah okay we'll get let me put this on your hand let's see if this works okay can you, can you put it in there okay that's good that's good and um oh Zach, I need you for this one. That was my baseball glove when I was around your age. And I want you to put this on. And then we'll close. I want you here. I want you here. And I want you here. Okay. So one has, can you get that on tighter? Okay, that's good. And before I forget, let me, you know, it pays to be up here. No, these are not quarters. These are dollars. So don't get robbed. <laughs> okay. I asked the Lord, and oh, I don't know it was Austin if you could start getting ready. I, I, I said to the Lord, the Lord said to me, when you're asking me to be that my hand be on their lives. You're also asking me that my hand will be in their lives. And so I pray this prayer. I said, God, I pray that like a glove, let them be the glove that you can put your hand in their lives. And do mighty works. And so when I thought about this glove. This glove is a work glove. God. In their lives. Work through them. And. Then this glove. Is a baseball glove. It's a it's it's used to catch. It, it allows people to catch things that they would not normally catch with their regular hand. And I said, God, make sure that every blessing, every person, 
everything that you have ordained for their lives. Make sure they catch it. And then this glove is a rubber glove. And this glove is used for when you have to get into messy situations. And God, I pray that you would use them that when they don't want to get into messy situations like Elder Roy and, and Elder Nita, broken lives, mess people's messy stuff, that Lord, let them be the glove on your hand that reaches deep into messy situations that you can bring them out. And I've said to myself, because Zach, you're 14. You're 14, right? And I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath because you've been on my list since 19, since you were born. And so I'm wondering, what is this man going to turn out to be if underneath he has his parents praying for him, but over he has his bishop so that he's sandwiched in daily with the hand of God. And I am sitting with bated breath watching what's going to happen to, you know, Makai and Samara and Ian. What's, what's, what's going to happen with Michael and Andrew and Jonathan? I mean, people who have been in here for years. What, what are their lives going to be turned out to be if I keep praying, God, put your hand in their lives and use them? Thank you. You may be seated. So as we get ready for communion, I challenge you men to be worshipers, to be men of the word, and to be there covering over your children, over your wife, over people on your job and say, Lord, work in their lives. In Jesus' name.